0: To Jeff Cambridge
1: 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chat TV, thanks for joining us on another solemn Monday. Another, <laughs> we have names for every other day of the week, I mean, damn it, man. Loss recap Monday, everybody.
0: I think we used to call them in Willie's days, Referendum Monday.
1: Yeah. We're getting there. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's brutal. It's brutal. You know, we had a short segment there towards the end of the last hour where I was talking about trying to latch on to something uh, that gains you some traction and and gives you a chance to build something moving forward. You know, I've said to you a lot, like a broken record, this team needs something good to happen to them a lot early in these games, and they, it's it's so surreal to watch the amount of things that don't go right. Now, that's what happens to bad teams, I get it, and a lot of times you got to make your own luck, but I do think they are snake bit. It's crazy. You know, and I'm not a, a guy who believes in curses or anything silly like that, but, man, I mean, you get that turnover, and you give the ball to probably one of the five most dependable people on your team in terms of preparation and work ethic and toughness and Overall ability, and and he fumbles. Uh, and the kid for Wake makes a great play, puts his hand right on the ball. It, it happens. It's like when a helmet hits the ball. It, it can happen to even the most uh, ball security conscious player that there is. You know, it, it does happen. But I thought of all the times because that's random, right? We talk about turnover luck and that kind of stuff. I mean, right, really? Okay, so you get that play in your favor. What happens if you go down and score? What happens? I mean, it's a gash. You gashed them on the first play. It's a huge hole.
0: Right. Right.
1: And then you fumble the football and weight goes down and scores. Same thing when you get a stop and you end up with the, the roughing the punter. It's not roughing. That is an over officious jerk in that moment calling that play. Uh, that is a reputational call.
0: Uh, yeah, it's five at worst. It's probably five because you hit him on the hip, but, I mean, you don't hit his plant leg at all.
1: He barely, I mean, anyhow. Yeah, okay, there's that. Uh, and then you got the play out of bounds. Jerry Jones, which is not a penalty at all. Not at all, not at all. And And they call that. Which is a brutal call.
0: Yeah, and if that punt got off and it was not called, there was also a block in the back that it was a head-on block.
1: Yeah, it was a good block, and and it's right there. The official the five throws yard it right, right away. Oh, he Yeah, threw
0: it right away. No, it was un- but, I was. It was unreal. So, can I ask why would you call a block when that's the field position situation? Like, what benefit? Like, I understand if they're in their own end zone, Be maybe sure. that's the time to dial up the pressure and see if you can't make something happen and force the issue. But in in that circumstance, I mean, I don't know. It just seemed like an odd time to even try it. You're trying to
1: create some sort sort of
0: momentum shift, some
1: some moment that gives your team a belief. I, I this is where desperation breeds. Desperation breeds desperation. You don't believe you can go ninety yards? Yeah, I guess would I mean, be the answer. You know, man. I yeah. mean, like, this is where you end up. Like, okay, well, maybe we can get to them. We're we're athletic. I mean, they almost get there. It, it just doesn't happen. I But you're right, by the way. As an aside, it's funny you bring that up because it did not matter in the big scheme of things. That official is looking, the the one in the end zone, is looking at the block right in front of him and calls that a block in the back. And he's 100% wrong, and it's not even close. It's not even close.
0: I'm glad you saw that too.
1: Oh, buddy, I jumped because off the couch because I wasn't
0: sure what they were calling back here. Yeah, I thought it was five live, uh, you know, just because you see the collision and I understand what you're saying on replay, it's it's a grazing, but I thought it was going to be five and so therefore that that block in the back penalty was going to kill us and and the field position would have been like the 4 or something along those lines because of the half the distance. And uh it didn't matter, but it was it's something in a long line because we did get the break. Frankly, I thought that they might have been able to call PI on the interception that we got. Yeah. Just judging by the way we were bracketing, I thought, mm, "That's it's close." Given what the ACC does, I think that's going to be PI and then they pick it up. They say there is no foul on the play. Yeah. And then we fumble right immediately after. it. Well, just it's you can't make it up.
1: The officials end up getting in this game a bit of a pass because of the six turnovers and the lopsided number. So they end up, you know, they're not highlighted here. But I really, I mean, there is enough. This is a separate issue. This does not have to do with all of the things Florida State's coaching staff has done poorly so far. It doesn't have anything to do with, uh, you know, the, the many mistakes that we've highlighted here today. I do think there's enough there for the coach, in this case, Mike Norvell. To talk to the ACC and say, well, let me let me highlight this play, this play, this play, yeah. and this play for you guys to go back and review because all those plays are reviewed and those officials are reviewed, their performances reviewed. It was a bad day for that crew, uh, and and in college football has a problem. It's interesting too because most of my listeners and both of us to to some degree are more passionate about college football, but the than pro football. But the way that the game is called in college football, by way of comparison to pro football, is such that it drives me to the NFL. This is not a game for the faint at heart. It is a brutal, brutal game. We know that. In the same way that we know that there are other sports that are equally as brutal. Hockey is a brutal sport. There are times that perfectly legal hits make you recoil At the violence, I don't mean it as in you're squeamish and you can't watch anymore. Just that when you see somebody get squared up Mm. against the boards, yeah,
0: there were four or five yesterday uh, in the Atlanta-Tampa game where you go, "Ooh,
1: yeah." No, so the NFL features these kinds of hits series to series, and nobody is reaching immediately for the flag because it's too violent. The immediate, I uh, what 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 college football has done is assume the worst of players' intentions. Play-to-play, tackle-to-tackle. And they've got to stop doing that. You have to assume the best. You have to assume that a kid wasn't intentionally trying to hit somebody with the crown of their helmet unless there's overwhelming evidence. Later in the game, there was.
0: Yeah, the Sydney Williams yeah, call. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. later
1: in the game, there was. Yeah. I've got no problem with that call. No problem. That's dumb, by the way. He's going to break his own neck. That's dumb. Everything else, though? No, man. No, you saw the play in the Auburn-Penn State game. Nope, 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 nope. There are tons of these every weekend in college football. That's got to stop. It's got to stop.
0: Yeah, the question that Perry had asked before the top of the hour was, what are the chances that we respond? And, and the thing is, that's a big word that, that Mike Norvell likes to use. How do you respond? Whatever happened, happened. What do you do next? Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing out of this staff is a group that looks like a quarterback who's seeing ghosts. You know, a quarterback who leaves the pocket when it's perfectly blocked up. Oh, yeah. A quarterback whose eye level drops from down the field to right in front of his face. And
2: that, you see the
0: panic. Yeah. The way that we're managing these games does not give me that hope. Now, I do think that the ACC is so bad that if you were managed well and you didn't panic, I think we might be 2-1 and one right now. I really, I still believe that Wake Forest film that Clawson's about to grade, he's going to go into them. Like if he hasn't already, yesterday in the Sunday meeting he did today. You think about all the dumb penalties they took. That is completely out of character for Wake Forest. Yeah,
1: there was a lot of stuff there. Yeah,
0: you want to cut the kicker? He kicks it out of bounds twice, puts us on the thirty-five yard line two times. One of which Jordan hits the the shot play, the busted coverage over the top. They're not good defensively. That offense was helped a lot by what we didn't do or the or the fouls that we committed and the turnovers we committed to put them in position to score. They should have dropped fifty. If they were half as good offensively as they have been in previous seasons, that's not a good football team and it didn't play clean. So it's those types of things that leave me thinking, no, there's little to no chance, Perry. But if they were managed well and the coaching staff didn't panic, this is a winnable game on Saturday. Syracuse certainly is. UMass certainly is. I don't know what to make of North Carolina. They're Jekyll and Hyde. Now they scored a, a hell of a lot of points on Virginia over, over well, the weekend. Well, I know
1: enough but, not to assume that we have a chance to beat North Carolina, but I'm going to assume that the, it's not an automatic loss as well. So, I mean, right now we haven't won a game. But it, it's,
0: in order to entertain that idea about going 0-3 like we did in 1976 and then going on a run, you have to believe that your coaching staff has the stomach to handle adversity and not panic. And right now I don't see evidence that we can and that we should believe that.
1: So I do, I do agree that there's no evidence – in which you would say I have faith in this staff currently other than rhetoric. So, you know, in the sense that the talking points often sound like the right thing to say, I believe that there is conviction there. I do believe that the way that we watch them perform, uh, and, and conduct practice suggests that they do have sort of a, a an underlying credo by which they want players to adhere. Um, but we also have seen overwhelming evidence that it goes out the window when things begin to unravel. And they also have not put these kids—I and I mean on game day. I'm talking about on game day. The kinds of decisions right. that they make don't seem to suggest the faith that they say they have in these players.
0: Yeah, so that that Notre Dame fourth down in the third quarter, right on our own thirty, whatever yard line. We debated that call at the time. What I had said on the post game show is it reminded me of the kid who's playing Madden online and is like, "F it, if I don't make it here, I'm just going to quit." And you know, so they don't get the fourth down, and <laughs> right, then you see yeah. the connection to your opponent has been lost. Obviously, like I thought in a moment that that's not that great because you're risking a lot of goodwill, and it, at that point Notre Dame could have blown you out, and the recruits don't have a good time, and now you've risked way too much in that one call. Okay, we could debate whether or not that was right. There's been like five moments like that since then where you're going, what are you doing? There's no composure. The way the game is called is the message to the fans. And you see what we've seen the last few weeks? That's not composure, man.
1: So, again, uh, agreed. This is where we get back to what evidence do we see that things are changing starting this week? There's nothing to uh go back and fall back on from this last game that gives you any faith that things will be better. We'll be watching very very closely this Saturday. that's all you can do i I do think they have the buy-in of the players. I do believe that to be true I'm going to oh yeah, I do believe that uh I, th- I think that this is a group probably you know is is absolutely devastated by the way in any group would be any group would be but i I don't see evidence of quitting. So I think they'll keep fighting. When you run off the amount of players that they ran off so far, I think one of the things you're trying to ensure is that if you encounter tough times, that you are going to have at the very least the bare minimum effort that is necessary to improve each week. And so I think that you know they've got a bunch of kids that if they were still here and they're a veteran player, clearly bought in. And if you're a transfer portal, I mean, what, are you going to put bad tape? I mean, you're trying to get to the league, you're, you know. So I, I think the, they'll continue to fight, which gives them a little bit of hope if they clean some things up within the coaching staff that they can get better. Uh, I do know also that if you win a football game, God forbid, you know, there's nothing wrong with going out and put, you know putting yourself in a position in the fourth quarter, which they did in both the first two games. I know they're two very different games, but nonetheless, they did put themselves in a position to win the Notre Dame game. They put themselves in a position – clearly, to win the Jacksonville State game. If they could get a win, they could exhale for a moment. I do think there is a need for them as a coaching staff to calm down. They're, they seem panicked. They seem absolutely, um, not. I don't want to say scared. Just, again, I used the phrase grasping at straws last hour. It, it feels like whatever sticks against the wall in a moment. Oh, we found something. Let's, let's just do this. No, man, what do you want to be coach? to that? What can you be? What does your personnel suggest that you can be? There are certain things you cannot do, and you know this. You're not going to run slow-developing, deep-passing plays because, A, your quarterbacks aren't good enough, and, B, your offensive line sure as hell isn't good enough, and I guess maybe I've got these out of order, but your receiving core isn't great either. So you don't have a lot of options there, so you can't be that. Put that over here. You can dial up shot plays. That that part we've seen. You can dial up a shot play or two. So let's start figuring out what you can do. It's all relative. It's to varying degrees. You're not going to be dominant at anything, especially with an offensive line that plays like that and looks like that and is hurt as that. But you, you've got to figure out something and then just say that's what we are and win or lose, that's what we're going to run. At least then you have a consistency. You have a game plan that you can adhere to. Players know what to expect. You know, find find something you do well. Every team does something well. Doesn't mean you're in a championship-caliber team, but every yeah. team does something well.
0: I I think it's remarkable, and I mean this as a compliment, how calm you are handling this particular thing and this particular storyline. You hit rock bottom. Because if this is, if throwing stuff against the wall, I think we would both agree that there's a lot of that going on on the offensive yeah. side. No, you're so in, you, you know, Kenny admitted to it today in the press conference. And what's the point of camp, and what's the point of the week of install?
1: They have failed the players in a way that is spectacular, Tom. I mean, I don't think there's any... If you want to remove yourself from getting into arguments about X's and O's and play calling, which I think is a good idea for any fan to do, remove yourself from the play calling and the X's and O's, Okay, Because here's something I have learned over the years. You have too. Anybody who covers and gets a peek behind the curtain understands something. Nobody, it doesn't mean you're a good coach. Okay, There are a lot of facets to being a good coach. But nobody gets to this level without having a firm understanding of the X's and O's of football. If you put them in a room and ask them to discuss the principles of Whatever you want. You name your offense, name your defensive logo. They could all do it. They could all do it. Even the worst coach could do it. Doesn't mean you're a good coach. Doesn't mean you can get kids. Doesn't mean you're a motivator of men. Doesn't mean you can get guys to execute. Doesn't mean a lot of things. You may, in the moment, do exactly what we've seen and panic and call something that runs counter to what you've tried to establish already. We see evidence of that all the time, and that's when you break people down and say this guy is not a good game coach. Maybe he's a good segment coach but, or a position coach, but he is not a good game coach. That's all well and good. But all of them understand the game. You could not have fa- – you can fake your way in high school. You can fake your way being a coordinator in high school. You can maybe fake it. You're not getting to a Power 5 program making that kind of money without having an understanding at the very least of the game, the X's and O's of the game. So why do I bring all that up? I, th- I think if you remove yourself from the arguments about play calling and X's and O's and instead look at how this coaching staff has failed its players big picture, to your point, They established something in spring on into the fall. They repped certain things incessantly as if to suggest this is how we have to win games. This is who we are. This is based on my evaluation of the personnel. And then in the games, they've panicked and gone away from it, and they can't find any one thing that they want to be. That is a failure. That is a That is a panic-stricken maneuver, it is something that suggests leadership is not as strong as it needs to be. It's also fair to say in that moment, even if you criticize Florida State's personnel and say that for Florida State or for even a middling ACC team, they're not all that talented. Okay, fair. Are they more talented than Jacksonville State? Because I think the answer is a resounding yes, and you lost to Jacksonville State. So it's inarguable that they're poorly coached. It is inarguable. Even if you're the greatest supporter in the world of the program and the staff and Mike himself, it is inarguable. Florida State has better players than Jacksonville State, and they lost to Jacksonville State. Florida State, your own assessment here, Tom, is that they have, maybe not position by position, but player for player, as good a talent as Wake Forest. I
0: wholeheartedly still believe that. Nothing about what I saw on Saturday changed my idea of what the relative strengths of those two teams would look like.
1: And they got blown out by Wake Forest. So, again, that would be poor coaching. There's no doubt. So, from here, once you've hit this kind of rock bottom, that's a long, cold, hopefully honest assessment that you have to do, if you're Mike Norvell, of yourself, the way you're running the program, the way your coaches coach for you. What you believe in moving forward is going to dictate whether or not you have any chance to keep this job at the end of next season. It's all on the line right now, every day. So you better find something you identify with. You better find something, even if it's going back to grassroots stuff, even if it's going back to the stuff you thought you had established in the spring, whatever it might be, find it and go forward with it. And you may lose a lot of games. It seems inevitable now they're going to lose a lot of games. That's different than being scattershot. That's different than not having any sort of idea of what you want to be and then calling plays to it. They don't, we don't see any of that right now. I understand the counter is so they don't, they don't have really good personnel, Jeff, and they can't block it up, and so what are they supposed to do? Well, they can't do this. They can't do this. You can't tell me that the game plan was to come in against Wake Forest and change quarterbacks every series until you find the hot hand. Okay, that's your game plan? Well, A, that's not a very good game plan would be my opinion, but again, I'm going to remove myself from that, okay? You didn't do that. You didn't do that. right? You didn't change the quarterback every other series.
0: If that was your game plan, yeah. you didn't adhere to your game plan. Yeah, there was a text uh, in, in the war chant change in the middle of the second quarter I sent to the group. I said, we're getting to the territory where the question for Mike is going to be is McKenzie available or was he available in the first half
1: I thought he was hurt I thought that he got hurt in the first series and here's why I said that because it seemed to me that there's no way you would have come into this game after having announced him as the starter at the beginning of the right. week and removing the oar and put in a game plan for him to run okay you would never have done that just to pull him in the second series like you that's right. that's insane you would never do that
0: yeah so which is the falsehood is it the depth chart last but, week or is it the explanation today right yeah. That's what. that's yeah. what you would say
1: right and I and and there are things we can't know, and so it does lead to speculation. I don't was he hurt in the moment? Did he hurt himself? I, I mean, I'm not sure. I He's don't out there for two plays. I, I mean, I don't know. But if he did hurt himself after two plays, um, we, we we will be forced to start the discussion about whether or not it would be wise to give Chubba Purdy the remainder of the starts and have him, if you needed to, in some capacity, alternate with Tate Rodemaker.
0: Yeah, what's the difference at this point?
1: Well, I mean, you know, Jordan's hurt every other series. If if, if your starting quarterback, McKenzie Milton is hurt frequently to the point where you can't... I mean, bless, I, I, bless his heart, is kind of cold. I don't mean it that way. I mean, if he's hurt, he's hurt. I, I don't know what to say about
0: that other than uh, you got to be available. So... The running game was there on Saturday. That's... <laughs> I know you're saying stay away from that, but I mean it's just it, it's calling to you. It's like we don't have a solution. It's like wait a minute, you might well, you might very well have a solution because mm-hmm. here's the interesting thing. Believe what you will about Pro Football Focus. If you look at the grading system, and, and we have access to that at yeah. WarChant.com. Our run blocking grades not good. However, the production out of Jay Sean Corbin and Trayshawn Ward is good. So that's interesting. That these guys are are able to find their way yeah, they've around. Ske- they've skinned some of that open, and, they, too, by and the way. we have. We yeah. ha- we did against Notre Dame. Created angles. Yes. The, the funny thing is, against Notre Dame, it looked like we had an idea and we had an identity of what we wanted to do. And we had Mike had some notes on Marcus Freeman about how he wanted to attack him. And if you saw the next week, Notre Dame played was it Akron? I forget. Mm-hmm. They ran a lot of plays that we ran. I watched that game. Mm-hmm. A lot of the principles we used, they ran because they knew Notre Dame had a real hard time with it. So our film made it to another offensive staff's film and they said film room and they said, "Ooh, I like what Florida State's doing here. Okay, let's copy that. Let's use that in our scheme." It went from that to "Oh my god, you have one advantage in this game and that's you can run the football down their throat and well, we're
1: deciding to do anything but. You have that advantage not because you're overwhelmingly more physical up front than Wake's front, but because Wake came out in a defense that told you, we'll give you the run.
0: And they're also bad at it, too. I know, I know, know, but
1: even if that's... Let's just remove that. They are bad at it. Yeah. They gave you the look that says, run the ball. And you got credit, and we gave them credit, for doing just that down 18 against Notre Dame. When Notre Dame wanted to salt away the game, up 18, not give up the big play, they played off coverage, they played way off the ball, you had numbers in the box and you ran it and you didn't get away from it and you were able to get back in the game. Not only because you ran the ball successfully for big chunks of yardage, eventually scoring, but also because your defensive front was getting Notre Dame's offense off the field and giving you more opportunities. That has to be when you see that look, what you do in this situation, and yet they Chef Jeff Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Hit me what you were playing. What would it take? What would it take for that question to be answered most assuredly yes? Four wins?
0: Oh, from this point on? From this
1: point, they've already lost three games. Four wins
0: and a win over Miami in a competitive game against Florida where you scare them. Yeah. You would have to. I mean, like the rivalry games have to at some point enter the equation if you're looking for love.
1: Yeah. I'm curious. Let's um, let's talk to our good friend Ira Schaffel, Warchant dot com. Hello, Ira. How are you, sir?
2: I'm good, man. Especially if uh, Tom keeps playing the Marley. That, yeah, that'll that'll make me feel better. Yeah, we could
1: we could all get together and
2: <laughs> hang
1: out with some Marley. <laughs> <laughs> tough times, tough times. So you know, I have often said over the years that when things are going poorly, coaches need to say less, not more. Today is another good example of that. It's also another good example of why a lot of coaches don't like their coordinators to talk to the press um, because it doesn't seem like there's much in the way of answers that you can give for what we see on that field Saturdays, these days, for Florida State. But hearing Coach Dillingham kind of kind of say that, yeah, the plan was to alternate quarterbacks is, is somewhat frightening and frustrating. Uh, I think there are some, some answers there that suggest um, – maybe he's not real sure how to answer for what we're seeing on Saturdays. What was your overall thought about uh, what you heard today?
2: Well, it didn't shock me too much about the quarterbacks because I, I just assumed that's what they were doing. There was no other reason why you would take Mackenzie Milton after that first drive, um, you know, two plays in there's a fumble and nothing to do with him. Um, so I assumed that that's what they were doing. Um, I, I kind of was confused about what they saw from Jordan that made them want to roll with him for a while. But um you know, as far as the overall stuff, I mean, I think the, the biggest takeaway for me it's going to be hard to write about, but, but I could certainly talk about, is um, I just felt like with Dillingham and with uh, Adam Fuller, the real big takeaway was they basically were admitting that, you know, not, they didn't come out and put it on the players, but in not so many words, they basically said, look, we just have guys that can't perform what we thought they could perform. So in, in the... Defensive situation, Adam Fuller said. You know, the reason they played aggressively on the on the edges with the corners and, and been more physical up front is is trying to uh, take away some things, and it has taken away some things. But then they they haven't been sound when people have challenged them with deep shots and you know just poor technique and decisions uh, by the cornerback. So he said, "Look, we're going to have to uh, basically figure out if, if if we're asking guys to do things they can't do." Uh, same thing offensively you know wake force was playing six in the box the whole game you know i asked you know kenny why you don't try to run into that and he said basically we couldn't block them um so that's basically saying well we've got two offensive linemen out and we couldn't do what we wanted to do um so you know and he and he said the only things that worked were when we did things to trick them into busted assignments which they did they hit some some good uh decent runs but um, to me, that was the biggest takeaway. Is they've, they've realized now that they've got guys who can't win one-on-one battles. They've got guys who can't beat the opponent physically, so they're going to have to figure out ways to help them scheme-wise. Now, whether or not they can do that, uh, you know, we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, it makes you it makes you wonder what they're what they're assessing at practice every day um, to just now figure out that they really are going to struggle to block it up. But also when when a team's playing off like that i you can you can run the ball and they just never really committed to it um until later i, I it, the the game plan seems haphazard at best which suggests panic i also heard enough from coach Norvell in the in the aftermath of this loss to wake that seemed to suggest that you know obviously he had delegated um a, a lot of play calling to uh, you know coach dillingham or and, and really his coaches in general whom he trusts i'm sure it it will be interesting to see now, if he has to reassess that and and kind of take over um, uh, all duties at this point, because it's ultimately where the buck stops, it's it's him, and there's no getting around the fact that at 0 three, this is a disaster. Um, I don't. I, I wonder if we'll see any changes in in the way they go about operating on a day to day basis.
2: Yeah, I mean, if there are in terms of that, uh, they certainly weren't you know revealing that today. I mean, you know, when we asked about play calling. Uh, Kenny Dillingham said that, you know, they both said that, you know, we, we go way back, that, you know, we've worked together for so long, we're very much hand-in-hand, hand, uh, it's a collaborative effort. Um, you know, Mike Norvell said he has total confidence in Kenny Dillingham, but then he also did say at different times that there were some calls that they, you know, that they were not good calls, and they were honest with the players that they made some calls that were not good calls. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll have to see how, you know, he did say they are going to evaluate it, uh, Kenny Dillingham said, you know, a lot of it is scripted. You know, the first, I guess, nine plays is scripted, and then they have uh, scripts for different situations. Like, these are our third and one, third and two plays. These are our third and three and four plays. These are our third and six and eight plays. And um, and so, you know, basically that's all determined before the game, and then he's just picking the one probably, I guess, based on personnel at that time uh, to go with. But, um you know, it's going to be hard to know if they're going to be, make any changes in that area until Saturday, but we'll have to see. The one thing, you know, the other thing that I thought from a big picture standpoint is they're kind of giving contradictory statements, especially about the offense. On the one hand, you know, Kenny Dillingham admitted they don't have an identity on offense. And I think Mike Norvell mentioned something along those lines too. They don't have an identity on offense, but then they talked about the way that they're going to try to fix what's going on right now is to be more creative with play calling to, put their guys in better situations to win well that generally I, i'm curious to see how that plays out because generally those two things don't go together if you gotta be super creative to figure out ways to help your players because they can't win one on ones, that means you probably don't have an identity because if you have an identity that means this is what we do no matter what the opponent does and uh, i don't think floor state feels good about anything they do on offensively anything they do on offense to to establish an identity
1: did we get any updates in terms of personnel and and guys that they hope to get back? Because obviously I do think they are hindered, not that they're good and not that they're doing a good job, but they are hindered by having guys out on that offensive line. Did we get any updates there?
2: Yeah, you know, he did say that uh, they thought last week there was a good chance they might be able to get, uh, he said both offensive linemen, so I'm assuming he means Maurice Smith and Robert Scott, that he felt, they felt like they were going to get them back, and then they found out they weren't going to get them back. And I know – uh, Norvell said after the game that, uh, uh, Robert Scott was a game time decision. So you would think he'll be back this week. Uh, Maurice Smith was in street clothes, so I don't know that he was as close as Robert Scott was. But, uh, you know, I do think if they get both those guys back, it's a big deal. You know, before the season, they said they thought they had, you know, seven, maybe eight offensive linemen you know, to, to work with. Well, those are two of them and, you know, two starters. And then they've also kicked one guy off the team. So, they're playing, you know, one or two guys in these games that uh, they wouldn't have necessarily counted in their top seven going into the season.
1: Any updates on Jordan Travis's health?
2: Just that they're going to observe him. Uh, Mike Norvell said that, you know, Jordan was sore yesterday, and, uh, you know, they're going to have to see how he is. But, um, you know, and, and as far as the quarterbacks go, and I'm sure you heard it, but, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, they, they feel like they both bring different things to the table. Now, if Jordan's banged up, then the thing that he really brings to the table isn't much of an option. So uh, we'll have to see. McKenzie's list is the starter on this week's depth chart. My guess on Monday is that he's going to play more. But, you know, we'll find out when the game starts.
1: Yeah, God forbid somebody fumbles on a handoff up the middle. They may have to pull him for a bunch of series in a row. You never know. I am curious uh, also, at least in terms of what can be gained week to week, when you've hit rock bottom, and they have, I I said I referred to any loss that occurs from this point forward, really after you lost to an FCS opponent at home, is just gratuitous violence. Uh, It's just, you know, at this point, it it, it doesn't mean you're any lower. It just means you're as bad as you were the week before, which is as bad as it can get. get. So I am curious – A, what do you think we'll see Saturday against Louisville? Is it a team who is still invested? Because I didn't see them quit, Ira. I went back and watched the game. I don't think they quit. They had a couple moments of lackadaisical play when they were getting blown out, but there wasn't real quit, not as a team. Uh, And and B, if you're just a fan of the program and you care about Florida State, look, they're going to play the rest of these games. (laughs) You can't go home and take your ball with you. They're going to play these games. What? If anything, are you hoping to see, let's say, over the next two weeks, that gives you any hope at all? I'm not even talking about winning games, although that'd be nice. What do you have to see to begin to believe there's something to build on here?
2: Well, you know, and Nor- you know, Mike Norvell mentioned that you know he thought yes, uh, Sunday's practice was really good. He thought the 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 interest, the energy was was good in the meetings when players were asking questions. They all seemed invested. So, so that's definitely positive. You want to see that continue. The biggest thing to me, and the, you know, the coaches basically admitted it today, was that they don't have a good feel or, or, or they're trying to get a better feel for who can do what in what situation. And, you know, yes, that should have been determined during preseason camp. It probably should have been determined in spring practice and, and in the first couple of games. Um, but I think they're finally coming to grips with, okay, these are the things we can't ask this guy to do. This is the thing he can do. How can we put these guys in positions where they can do what they what they're capable of doing, and stop asking them to do the things they're not? And you know, I think that you know that's that to me is going to be the key to whether or not they win some of these winnable games. Because again, you know, up until this point, the only game we penciled in is a is a likely win or sure win was Jacksonville State. It's these next few games where they had to really you expected them to win some of these games. You, know, you expect them to beat Louisville at home and Syracuse at home and and, and UMass. So these are the games they have to get. And the only way they're going to do that, I think, is if they really focus in on what guys can do, who they can count on, and really uh, stop trying to do everything. Try, try, stop trying to get everybody touches. Focus on the guys who can get the job done, and and you can count on. And I think that if they do that, I think that's going to be a recipe for success. If they can just get a couple wins, I think that's going to do a lot for the, you know just the players' psyche, but obviously also the fan base.
1: What do you think, and it's the last one because I just was stunned when I got up this morning and saw it, what does Vegas know that we don't that would only have Louisville as a two-point favorite?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess it, part of it depends on, like, what do you think of that UCF team they just beat? You know, I, I and, and, and I know – I don't know. I mean, I watched that game. I didn't think either team was all that good, and certainly not defensively, um, and so – uh, you know, and they they looked horrible in their season opener, um, and in their other game, they really didn't play anybody. So I think there's, I, I just think that that Louisville team is going to be kind of like Florida State. Uh, you know, I think there's there's going to be good moments and bad moments, um, and and kind of how things. You know, I, I to me, I think they're very similar teams. It's a, it's in Tallahassee. Uh, I would not, I would from watching that Louisville team, I would not look at them and say, oh yeah, I'm going to lay points with them on the road against many teams. So I think it says more about Louisville than it does about Florida State.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a great team. Uh, obviously, they got the big interception late to beat UCF. and um, But but when you've lost at home to, to an FCS, foe, it's hard to to, to reckon that you're going to rise up here and get a win. But I suppose they could. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that because I was kind of surprised the number was that low. Always appreciate it, brother. Be well. Thanks, Jeff. See you, man. All right, take care. Yeah, for those that don't know, on Friday night... Uh, Louisville 142 to 35 over UCF. I said before the season, just because he has a name synonymous with the SEC uh, for the last number of years, people thought the idea of UCF getting Gus Malzahn was a good hire. And I feel like Gus Malzahn has been uh, shot for some time. Not, not a real good football coach for a number of years now. Uh, and I'm talking about watching them week-to-week, week, game plan-wise. Gus was checked out. So... I already have issues with what I'm seeing him do at UCF. And if I were a UCF fan, I'd be getting nervous about what's happening there because Louisville isn't a great team. I don't know that that doesn't, you know, that that matters. They may come in here and win by 28 because we're horrible. So, you know, it's again a a game that if you just like college football, you're not watching. You know, put it that way. If you like college football, you're like, oh, no, no, don't put that on my television.
0: Yeah, we said I don't co- want
1: all that suck to rub off in my living room well, here on that, my television. You can't have
0: that. Yes. Yeah. Phrasing <laughs> it. Uh, it's a phone conversation we had a couple of times this weekend. Is You know, we're, we're talking about the other games. I got done with the post-game show. We had a call just chatting, shooting the breeze, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I'm watching a little bit of Virginia, North Carolina, and you're watching Penn State and Auburn. That was a great game. That was a good second half, really good second half. Yeah. And uh, it's like a different sport. We came back to that a couple of times. It's yeah. like you're watching a different. It's a different level. different sport.
1: I watch just as you do and any of us that are sporting guys or gals or just love the sport. I watch a lot of college football and there have been years where we weren't good but I wasn't floored at the juxtaposition of what we were attempting to do and what other teams could or could not do. This has left me absolutely at times just gutted because you see really average teams in their respective conferences playing a brand of football that I 100% know would lead to them beating us by three touchdowns or more. And then, again, I take a step back and say, but that's Kansas. You know, like, you shouldn't you shouldn't gaze upon another two teams playing the game of football and have it look like a foreign sport compared to what we're attempting to do. And almost every time I'm watching any game anywhere, that's the sense that I get. And that is, um, I mean, even Nebraska! If you watched this oh, past weekend, no, no. even Don't Nebraska, say that. Don't do that to Oh, us. buddy. You take us over to Nebraska right now? No chance. I
0: don't even want to think no about that. No
1: chance. That's where we are. I mean, they played hard for him on Saturday. They yeah. played physical. They were in the game. Did they?
0: Oh, oh well, it's, the, it's Oklahoma. That's right. Yeah,
1: yeah, they were there. They were in it. It was right there. <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show on 93. Three Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.
2: <laughs> All day,
1: every day these days, buddy You seem to like it, so I'm, I'm
0: trying to make people smile
1: Hey, so I have to tell you, I don't know if I've ever told the story on the air I, I, know, I know we're at the end here I met Ziggy Marley and hung out with him uh, for, I don't know, a good hour and a half
0: Oh, okay So Did it feel like six hours? It was incredible okay, now, that's what, No, yeah. no, no, no.
1: this is a, this is a great story Um, I was a senior in high school, Mm -hmm. uh, Ziggy Marley and the melody makers played Janice landing on the, um, tomorrow people tour. Um, and I remember the name of the tour. Well, it was like Ziggy Marley and the melody makers first real record. Anyhow. So they played Janice landing. My girlfriend at the time, uh, was, was part, uh, she's, she went on to get a journalism degree from Indiana. She wrote nationally, was a really talented writer. She uh was kind of like a, a student writer for the St. Pete Times. So she ended up being able to on on Fridays where they had that insert with all the entertainment, I can't remember what it was called, where they would tell you what's going on in the Tampa Bay area. She would get to write for that. And it was an opportunity uh of a lifetime. And she got to go to, to to do a review of that show and also an interview leading up to it. And she said, hey, I'm going to interview Ziggy Marley before the show on Friday. Do you want to go? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to go hang out with you and Ziggy Marley. So we, they agreed to do this interview an hour before the show. One hour before the show, we get there and go backstage.
0: Yeah, we have a photo of you backstage, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. going up right now. There it is. Yeah,
1: yeah. Unbelievable unbelievable we go backstage it is everything you think it would be yeah Uh, i mean i don't think i said a word
0: yeah probably for for four hours Mm -hmm.
1: and we just sat there but she had to do i wonder why she had to conduct this interview i wonder why you couldn't speak and he was fantastic he was great and the show was fun and anyhow just an aside one of my great memories hanging out with sinking marley backstage the whole family it was incredible it was a huge band good times tom If a tree falls on your roof, that sucks. You're going to have to call my friends at T-Spark Enterprises because they can help you not only fix your roof, but he's a general licensed contractor. They can also take care of any structural damage. So make sure you give T-Spark a call today. Probables, fire it up. Let's go. It's time for, how you say,
0: with the pitching, uh,
1: Probables? (laughs) Brought to you by North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services including full online, applicant onboarding, and integration into payroll, save your company money, and headaches today. Head to NorthFloridaPayroll.com.
0: Bam! Yeah, that was impressive. Woo! NorthFloridaPayroll.com. Just because it was so fast, in case people need to hear it again.
1: Second game of Doubleheader Royals, Kansas City, TBD, TBD, don't know why I started there. Pirates, Reds tonight, Dylan Peters, Vladimir Gutierrez, White Sox Tigers, Carlos Rodon, Matt... Manning. Nats, Marlins, Eric Beattie, and Jesus Lizardo. We got the Orioles and the Phillies, John Means and Ranger Suarez. Rangers, Yankees, A.J. Alexi and Nestor Cortez. Blue Jays, Rays, Robbie Ray. Yay. Shane Baz goes for the Rays. First career start. Cardinals, Brewers, Jack Woodford and Freddie Peralta. Astros, Angels, Fomber Valdez. Jaime Burea. Mariners A's Tyler Anderson Sean Mania. always that matchup forevermore. Braves D-backs, Puscarnoa and Humberto Mejia, and that is a look at those that shall reside in the bump. Yeah, so again, man. Ziggy Marley's a cool cat.
0: So you're saying you had a better time meeting Ziggy Marley than you did, I don't know, watching the game on Saturday? Oh, man. Okay.
1: I couldn't understand him. His accent was so thick. I mean, so thick. It's. I spent the first 15 minutes just kind of staring at him and him probably thinking that I was, you know, zooted. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, yeah. but I mean, I could not understand him. And then finally, I was like, okay, I think I got it. I got it. I got the rhythm of this. It's music. It was beautiful. But it just took a little time. It took a little time. <laughs> That's a cool. Thing.
0: I don't know how to respond to that, so I'm going to segue and ask you, how much did you enjoy the game last night?
1: Hey, real quick, Tom, I addressed this first hour of the show. Uh, good for your Bills. That's a huge win, especially especially for that Bills team. Yeah, it if you're going to talk Dolphins. junk,
0: then show up on time, Tom. Yeah, What's man, your problem, I, man? I was happy. Come on. To,
1: I was happy to donate. Let's be man. on time. Let's go. I was go. excited. I was excited to. Your do bills some. were on time. Yeah. That's a big... Um, Least you could do. That's a big win. Come on, man. I did pick Miami. Get it together. Lost that game terribly. Did go 7-3 and three in my bets. It's all right. I'll live with it. I ain't out here going 10-0. and 0. It's
0: okay. Um, Set your alarm. Ouch.
1: Yeah. I was here right on time. Owned it right off the bat. It's okay. No action on to, uh, tonight's game other than I need uh, one of Detroit's running backs to gain two yards.
0: Pick against the Bills again this week. I won't be here to see it. I'll miss you, but go ahead and pick (laughs) against them.
1: Good work, Tom. Good work, Matthew. And thanks to all of you. Hang in there. Ooh, it's tough to do. I know, I know. Appreciate you.